This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What is going on, Wildcatters? Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast. You may have seen the headlines recently that ExxonMobil was dropped from the S&P 500 and were replaced by Salesforce. So a lot of you probably know who Salesforce is, but for those of you who don't, Salesforce started off as just a customer relationship management software company, essentially help you manage the sales process. Then they quickly became the leader in that sector and have since become really more of a technology firm and are now one of the largest tech companies in the world. So the only proper thing to do was to have the Global Industry Director of Oil and Gas at Salesforce on the show, Jason Ulbickson, to chat about all the work they've done in the oil and gas industry, and most importantly, how some of their technologies and some of the various platforms that they've built can be used by you know entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs in this space who want to build software for the oil and gas industry. Before we get into the episode, this episode is brought to you by Interpub, a new public data solution from Stonebridge Consulting. When you're looking for public oil and gas data, you really have two options. You can aggregate the data yourself from various state agencies or subscribe to a data provider. This is a topic that comes up a lot for us, and you typically hear a lot of the same things from people. They want to cut costs around accessing public data, especially in an environment like this. They want flexibility to select the data sources that they want to see. They also want to be able to easily integrate this data with a lot of their existing systems. And they also want to be able to easily manipulate and work with the data, right? Who wouldn't? Interpub from Stonebridge is reimagining public data access by streamlining data integration and simplifying analytics. That means you can modernize your data sharing through big data platforms such as Azure, AWS, and Snowflake, as well as easily connect analytics platforms like Spotfire, Tableau, or Power BI. Interpub 1.0 is now available, offering free access to curated data. You can learn more at sbconsulting.com forward slash interpub, which we've thrown a link in the show notes for you below. Interpub from Stonebridge Consulting. Maybe it's time to reimagine public data. What's going on, Wildcatters? Welcome back to another episode of the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast. It's not every day you get somebody from Salesforce to join you. This is a new... It's a big company. It's a big co- small company. I've heard of them. Bigger than ExxonMobil now, just in case you guys didn't know that. Yeah, that's crazy. That's what are you guys, like top 30 in the world probably? Well, we replaced Exxon and the Dow. I don't think that necessarily means we're one of the top 30. It just means they've kind of picked Salesforce to diversify out the Dow. But it's a pretty big deal. That is a huge stock deal. stock went up 27%. Do you guys have like any like internal like champagne popping or anything? They're like, how do we yeah. celebrate? Let's go get on the oil and gas start this <laughs> Yeah. The first thing I said is I called up the digital wildcatters and said <laughs> I got to get on here. <laughs> so, uh, Jason, I can't pronounce your last name. How do you say your last name? Obixen. Everyone just calls me Jason O if it's easier. Jason O. Here we are. Make it easy. So for those who don't know, probably the three people who are listening who don't know what Salesforce is, what is Salesforce and what do you do at Salesforce? So we'll start with what is Salesforce. Most people probably know us for CRM. It's our stock ticker. It's kind of a blessing and a curse because it's what we're really good at. It's in our wheelhouse. But as you guys know, customer relationship management upstream specifically in oil and gas, which we're here to talk about, doesn't have a lot of customers, doesn't have any customers really. They sell in a long-term contract. So most people are like, why are you talking to us in upstream? But you know, most people know us for CRM, which is customer relationship management. So think about sales, service, and marketing. Anyone that's trying to sell a product, how do you sell it? Leads, campaigns, opportunity tracking, servicing your customers. Think of the help desk when someone calls in and then marketing, try to expand leads, et cetera. I would say that's our platform as a service, excuse me, software as a service component. People buy those purpose-built applications. We have 
communities, which are portals. We've bought e-commerce sites. You might have heard a company called Tableau, MuleSoft, mm -hmm. which are pretty big technology mm -hmm. companies. We've purchased those. So now we've expanded our footprint, and it's a lot more than CRM. But that's kind of our wheelhouse. So that's the kind of the SaaS software as a service, but there's also a PaaS platform as a service component, which I think is pretty interesting in oil and gas, where it's this low code, highly agile platform to configure out your own applications to solve business problems. And oil and gas has a lot of business problems, right? A ton of business problems. So that's, problems. you know, in a nutshell, that's where Salesforce is. It's kind of hard because it's always changing. When um, this pandemic hit, we actually pivoted all of our resources and within six weeks, we pumped out two products specific to COVID-19. Oh, wow. So think of a CRM. We have a contact tracing application. 35 of 50 states are using us for their contact tracing. That's wow. amazing. We have a back-to-work application. Uh, a lot of the schools, University of Kentucky, a lot of big universities are using this to bring people back in and track like these command centers of where are we getting hotspots, how do we schedule resources, things like that. So that's what's pretty interesting about our company is most people know us for CRM, but it's a lot more than that. Yeah, because when I think of Salesforce, I think of CRM. But then I'm also like, how is a company that's only a CRM this big? Right. There has to be other product offerings, right? Yeah. So before we dive into Salesforce some more, tell us about your background and how did you get linked up with Salesforce? How did you get into oil and gas? Start from the point of inception. Sure. So right now my role is I'm the industry go-to-market director for oil and gas. So what that means is I'm responsible for our ultimate go-to-market strategy in oil and gas. I've been at Salesforce for six years. I'm kind of going in reverse order. So I hope that's okay. So I've been here for six <laughs> years, been in this role for about three months. So relatively new in this role. But prior to that, I was part of our kind of big deal team, specifically focused on the super majors. So I was trying to help unlock value, sell solutions into the super majors. I um, really enjoyed doing that. Prior to that, I worked at P2. Mm -hmm. Energy Solutions, mm -hmm. which you probably heard of, and, and actually was there through a couple acquisitions. There was a company called um, WellPoint Systems, which bought Bolo. So I started at Bolo, was purchased by WellPoint, which was purchased by P2. So anyone knows the Bolo, Excalibur, P2 Land, Tobin, those solutions, I was part of that team that kind of um, deployed that. So was there for about 10 years. And then prior to that, I started my career with Unical, which was purchased by Chevron and started as a production analyst. So I was the guy doing the production allocations using Merrick's ProCount software, which ultimately P2 bought, so it yeah. kind of came full circle. <laughs> so I've been in industry my entire career, was doing it for a little while, and then quickly realized that that's not what I wanted to be. I really liked the technology side and quickly pivoted to a technology company. And I've been in and around, mostly upstream, but Salesforce, it's been a little bit broader, but up and around oil and gas technology for most of my career. So, I know you mentioned right before we hopped on here that you went to Dreamforce and that was kind of a pivotal moment for you saying like, Hey, I want to make the leap. I want to go to like full on technology company that's offering solutions to a lot of different industries and stuff. Tell us that story again. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like you guys and probably most of your audience. And I think of Salesforce, I knew they did some CRM. I didn't think of much in upstream. I was actually at that time I pivoted. I was at P2, but I was running a sales operations team. So I was um, director of sales operations. So I had the business analyst doing the stuff, doing the territory stuff for our sales team. I was kind of the chief of staff or the VP of sales. And so my team actually used Salesforce to manage our own CRM. So our salespeople were you know, trying to sell to upstream customers. So we were using that. So I went to Dreamforce in that capacity and it just blew me away because I was used to kind of the stodgy world of oil and gas here in Houston. No offense to anyone, but 
you know, pretty uptight. <laughs> a lot, like I know you guys know, like the petroleum cloud. Yeah. Club set. You know, you go to these nape happy hours. It's everyone's wearing a coat and a tie. Um, things like that. So then I go to Dreamforce and it just blows me away. If, if anyone hasn't gone, even if you're not a customer, you should just go once. It's hundred plus thousand people. It's like hundred thousand people of your best friends. It's sales or excuse me, San Francisco, Silicon Valley hipsters. So people playing hacky sacks, DJs in the lobby, beanbag chairs, <laughs> nap pods, lots of skinny jeans. You know, no one's wearing a suit and tie. Everyone's hipster wearing their hipster shoes, yeah, outfits. That's, that's the joke like at that. Nape is like, find me in the blue blazer. Exactly at, yeah. at the at the Hilton bar. You know, it's all exactly. It's all the our, same. our joke is find me in the uh, you know um, plaid sports coat with yeah. a cool Ben Sherman shirt untucked and like hipster sneakers. Like that's the sales yeah, force. Yeah, wearing uniform. some band sneakers. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, the the CEO Mark Benioff does the keynote, and he's wearing these pimped out. Uh, converse that have little clouds on them so it was just a different mindset and i was like i was just blown away there's parties every night and what was was that what was that like going from oil and gas to you know the silicon valley type tech scene i I mean mean, it's exciting but to be honest it was also kind of intimidating i feel a little bit out of my league with the hipster factor where i'm used to like (laughs) 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 if you're not wearing pleated pants you're like wow this is the new young guy i mean yeah there it was to be honest kind of intimidating but it was also pretty exciting i was like wow this is you know, I've seen TV shows about Silicon Valley, and it was really neat. I mean, they, they have a big concert every year, and that year was Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm-hmm. And I think they, they got these... Um, what other company gets Red Hot Chili Peppers yeah, and, to and, and Snoop Dogg was the opening act. <laughs> oh, that's I great. Mean, it's a great combination. <laughs> Something yeah. for everyone. Yeah. And, and they did it in this cool way. So there's lots of ports and stuff in San Francisco. So they basically manufactured a festival area by getting a bunch of shipping containers and kind of blocking it off. Mm-hmm. So it's really industrial and you go in there and you've got your badge. And as soon as you go in there, it's, it's a festival, but once you're in, you're in. So all the food and drinks you want, and it's not just typical, you know, it's the classic San Francisco foodie stuff. All the hipster mm-hmm. takes take on a, do they do this every year? Every year. Is it invite only or? Well, if you go to the conference, so you apply to the conference. Yeah. So, and you pay for the conference, but also we have partners there, which I'd love to talk about. So once you're at the conference, it's amazing sessions. It's over a hundred thousand people. I'm we, only asking cause I'm wondering, are you thinking, an are you thinking what I'm thinking? Yeah, yeah, get an invite so, <laughs> this year it's going to be a little I different. I can open for Snoop Dogg. Yeah. yeah. This year it's going to be a little different cause it's virtual, but if you're a speaker there, then you get a free access and you do a yeah. session. That was the other cool thing is the sessions were not sales. And this remember I was a customer at the time. I wasn't a Salesforce employee. All the sessions were by customers. It's kind oh, of cool. For customers, by customers. I mean, Salesforce was facilitating, but yeah. it wasn't Salesforce pushing a bunch of stuff. And it's almost, I mean, it's, I shouldn't say this, but it's a bit cult-like. You're like, everyone's just, you go to conferences and people are bad-mouthing the company. Yeah. No one was bad-mouthing. They were all zealous. Like, this is the best thing since That's awesome. sliced cheese. And so I, I saw that and I was just blown away and, I came back home and said, well, first of all, I got to rethink my wardrobe because I'm a little outdated with all this, you know, Silicon Valley hipster stuff. And then I just said, Salesforce for oil and gas. I wonder if they do anything because at the time I was part of a sales team, but I want to kind of get more back into the you know, customer facing of like, let's do technology. And I simply went on the website and looked up and said, oh, I wonder if Salesforce does anything with oil and gas. And sure enough, they had started a team. So we'd started kind of a, a division within the organization and this dude named Matt Pittner who used to work for Oracle had started this team 
and they had advertisement and I just submitted my resume and they called back a couple days later and said, come talk to us. And yeah, the rest was history. Well, I mean, you have a pretty big wealth of experience in oil and gas tech. I mean, you know, if someone's listening and they don't know the companies that you mentioned, you know, Merrick Systems, one of the OG uh, oil right. and gas software, uh, friend Kamal Freed founded yeah. that. And, you know, we haven't had Kamal on the podcast. We need to get him on the podcast. Kamal, if you're sometime. listening, I'm going to I'm gonna reach out soon. I'm going to get you on the show. <laughs> Samina, right? She's yeah. Like, or Samina, yeah. She's a, and yeah. so, she's a lot of and then they go and they get acquired by P2. And then you were over at P2 as well. P2 is another um, legacy uh, product in oil right. and gas. So you've really seen, you know, kind of... Um, the inception of oil and gas software right. in the space. And so it, it makes a lot of sense for you to go over there. What really, you know, when I think about Salesforce and, and oil and gas, you brought up a good point because if you think about it from a CRM perspective, it's like, okay, OFS, they need CRMs, right. you know, uh, software companies, they need CRMs, but which is actually surprising that most OFS companies to my knowledge of salespeople that I've talked to are not using CRMs. Yeah, I don't Which know. Which is actually like super surprising. Nowadays, but a few years ago it was. But yeah, you know, like an oil and gas company, they don't need a fucking CRM for mm-hmm. anything. You know, what are they going to put oil purchasers in, in <laughs> right. their CRM? So, you know, what are you guys really, you know, let's, I'm sure that you guys have applications for every vertical, you know, whether it's upstream, midstream, or downstream. But just since my knowledge is more upstream and I can have more of an intelligent conversation, what are you guys focusing on in the upstream sector and what applications are you guys kind of attacking or looking at attacking? Yeah. So what I tell people is you probably have some general knowledge of CRM. So customer relationship management and for a lot of companies, oil field service, downstream, you know, software companies, customer is the entity that drives the value of your organization. In upstream, that's not the case. So let's replace the C with what drives value in upstream, the supplier relationship, the landowner relationship, the asset, the contractor, the employee. So whenever I talk to customers, and a lot of times they're asking the same question, why are you here talking to me? We don't have customers. We're letting you in the door as a courtesy. You know, you got 10 minutes. So I say, <laughs> let's replace, anytime we see say C, let's just think about suppliers, assets, employees, contracts, et cetera. And those same digital capabilities, collaboration, mobile, digital workflows, you know, all that stuff that helps a company that does traditional CRM get closer to the customers, you can use those same capabilities to get closer to your whatever, landowner, mm-hmm. supplier. And I think for me, the landowner is the easiest one. Yeah. So think about an upstream company that's out there leasing the rights to drill, it's almost like a sales process. It's competitive. I don't know about now with, with COVID, but you know when things were thriving, it's pretty competitive. Yeah. So you're out there talking to landowners, you're keeping track of activities. I talked to so-and-so, here's how much they want per acre. You might be collaborating with the land brokers, collaborating with the office, the mm-hmm. back office. There's reports, approvals, workflows, all that stuff. It's very similar to a sales process. Yep. You're funneling leads and trying to close as much acreage as you can. Yep. So we have people that are using Salesforce for landowner relationships yeah. management. And it's just like a CRM process, but you're not selling them. You're trying to win the business to buy their rights. Yeah. I mean, when you look at a CRM, it's managing people, right? Yeah. And in a land process, especially on, on mineral side, there's just not many edges that you can get from a business perspective. You guys all have the same pool of people that you're attacking, but if you can improve those processes and workflows and make the deals happen faster, that's how you can get an edge. And it's funny because I mean, you look at some big mineral funds, even just a couple of years ago, they weren't incorporating CRMs and it's like, 
And you could be using something really simple off the shelf here. If you, you, know? if you think back to the DRW episode, we were like, hey, what was your advantage? And it was like, I was using a CRM to manage deal flow. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, another, wait, that's your advantage? That's, that's another one. So we work, I work with one of the super majors, and I don't get too deep into who it is, but their, their commercial deal team, that commercial deal is just like a sales process. They're trying to go into these long-term contracts. So if you have visibility, collaboration, single source of the truth. So what they would tell me is they're along these deal flows, these deal processes, and they get to the end and they didn't know something. And they're at kind of at, they can't change course now. And, and probably their terms weren't optimal. But if they would have known prior and had more visibility into the process, someone could have said, hey, if you're going to go in this kind of contract, you got to have this clause because we got burned before. But now there wasn't a unified single source of the truth where everyone legal supply and training could review it. So they're actually using us for deal flow. Yeah. And they're using CRM for deal flow. And it's yeah, I think if you get out of the mindset of, you know, just thinking that it's only a sales tool and you flip your like, I mean, for us at Wildcatters, we're raising capital right now from Mm -hmm. angel investors. Guess what? We use a CRM to track all of that. Do you use Salesforce? No, we don't use. I was hoping hoping you wouldn't (laughs) ask me that question so I didn't have to answer it on the spot, but we use Salesforce. Um, (laughs) But yeah, you know, I I think that if you look at a lot of your processes, you know, whether um, it's on the supply side or whatever, you can actually use a, a CRM and just think about it different but the tool works the same right. way you know um uh, rice energy a lot of people may not know this but a lot of people do know it that you know rice energy was looked at as a very forward-thinking uh, technologically innovative company and they built out a lot of their workflows on on salesforce and essentially treated it you know as a crm for right. their wells you know do you guys see a lot of emps kind of is that an angle for you is like hey look you know rice energy improved all their workflows using Salesforce platform. There's no reason that you guys can't build similar products. Absolutely. I was actually on a call today with the EQT team, which as yeah. you guys probably know, the former mm-hmm. Rice team, and yep. they did reverse proxy and took over with some of their IT team. I'm very close to those. And in my mind, that's kind of what great looks like. That's a lighthouse account for us because they're they're using Salesforce to drive all what they call their digital workplace. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because it started when you talk to them and tell their story or hear the story, it started with landowner relations. And I think they said the CEO, Toby, he, he saw it. He kind of had the light bulb went on and said, this is like a sales process. And I think he just Googled what's the top sales mm-hmm. solution. And he saw Salesforce He said, let's try this thing. Let's see if we can do it. Mm-hmm. And because it's so adaptable, flexible, they started there. And I think now they have, something like five or 600 business processes that are all being leveraged on Salesforce. That's crazy. Being driven by Salesforce at EQT since the Rice team has taken that back over yeah. and driving that. And yeah, in my mind, that that's, I think, you know, what would be success for my, me and my position is if we get you know 10% of the upstream EMP companies doing 50% of what Rice is doing, I think yeah. we'd be tremendously successful. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense for them. You know, they saw, they identified the opportunity in the land space, especially up there in the Northeast. You know, I'm not a landman, but I've always heard that land and minerals are even more complex up in the Northeast just with the uh, way that they operate and the age of, of some of the land and minerals up there. You know, what other processes are they able, you know, kind of unpack this a little bit for me because I understand from, you know, kind of retrofitting a uh, CRM to manage processes. What else can you do on the Salesforce platform? Like you guys have like, is it the lightning platform that you have now? Like what can you actually build and what are some examples from the upstream space? Like at at an EQT or rice energy, what can you actually build internally? Yeah. Another good example is, yeah. So the platform, we talked a little bit about the 
the products kind of software service, the platform as a service is really powerful. So the simplest one is just think about a, a light safety app, maybe doing a JSA, job safety analysis. Mm -hmm. Before you do a piece of work, you have to go in and say, okay, here's the risk. What am I doing to mitigate risk? A lot of companies, believe it or not, they're doing that on paper or on Scantron or something. So if we could just build a light digital form, that's really easy. Have it on a, a device where they could pull it up and say, okay, yeah, here's what I'm doing. Here's what the safety issues are. Here's what I'm doing to mitigate the risk. Then you could start thinking about gamifying that, putting together, you know, reports. Here, here's all the people that aren't doing the right things. We need to do some enhanced training and specialization in this team because they don't know what they need to do when they're welding in, in a like so confined you, space. You guys are going to be narcs. You're going to be the snitches. Well, I'm just like, we're gonna, <laughs> continuous improvement. Yeah. Salesforce, no, so the it, snitch. No, yeah. continuous well, improvement. It's funny because, you know, I come from a field background. So, like, yeah, we still fill out paper, right. JSAs, and back in like 2016 2017 i started connecting with vcs on both coasts and i was telling them i was like hey guys there's major processes mm -hmm. and systems that still operate on pen and paper in one of the biggest industries in the world like there's some really low-hanging fruit here and you have some companies that are focusing specifically on you know building out a jsa platform you know to get it off paper and now that i'm thinking about it it's actually kind of dangerous for other startups. I saw a VC talk about this the other day in his investment thesis. He's like, I learned quickly that I don't invest in products that could be a feature mm -hmm. on another product. And that's actually, you know, good for startups to listen to this is because you may think, oh, I have this big opportunity where I could attack JSAs, mm -hmm. but then Salesforce could come in and he's like, right. hey, look, we can do this very easily. So that's kind of a side tangent. Thought, but I'm just I see two other major opportunities. So obviously the whole, everything you mentioned with rice was 100% spot on but two major things have happened two acquisitions have happened really since they originally set that up right like you mentioned MuleSoft mm. and then the Tableau right as well right so MuleSoft if I remember correctly I don't know if it's technically master data management but it, it is it is like an integration it's layer an ETL data warehouse transfer I don't know it's it's an integration platform to yeah. kind of declaratively build out all these point-to-point -point integrations yeah so it makes that it makes the integrations really really yep. easy right on top of the lightning platform which is already very easy right. and then now you've got tableau which right. i think is really interesting considering the market share that somebody like uh like spotfire has right. uh in upstream oil and gas it seems like every oil and gas company that we've talked to in the last couple of years is now using spotfire right. at least in one department and so i see a huge opportunity because the one thing that the what i see is a weakness of of spotfire is that it's not built to be a computational layer, and that's what it's used as 99% of the time, right? It's meant for data visualization. Right. They don't have that Lightning Platform backend. They don't necessarily right. have that MuleSoft backend. So I see that as a huge opportunity for somebody like Salesforce you, to you, come in. Yeah, can you dive into these a little bit? You know, what is the Lightning Platform? What is Tableau? What is, is it Mule? And MuleSoft. MuleSoft. So, okay. yeah, it is confusing. Even for, so the platform is kind of the, the capabilities that, to build all this stuff out. So you say if you like deconstructed the CRM into individual modules, yeah. So that's would, really the lightning platform. Well, not really. So I'm going to go really mad on here. So the, the <laughs> lowest common denominator is just platform as service where you're taking. So the kind of the, I didn't really talk about it when I said why I went to Salesforce. The other key component of that is the technology is amazing. So, you, you know, when I was just, before I started, they, they said, okay, you're interested here, go play around with it. And I built a lease acquisition app in about a week. It was a rough prototype, but it was yeah. all declarative drag and drop where the company, the companies I've been involved with, we were a year and a half in and still hadn't had a commercial product because the technology was, was somewhat outdated. So the technology is pretty amazing. It's declarative, it's drag and drop, it's wizards. We like to say clicks, not code. So that's the platform to 
basically I could give you access to this and you could go build a JSA form. You could build out a whatever form. Now what Salesforce has done is we've taken that platform and we've built out purpose-built products like CRM, which is sales, service, and marketing. So we have a concept called a sales cloud where we've taken the platform and we've built out data structures, reports, workflows specifically designed for those processes. And that's our commercial product. But in the JSA example, we don't have a health and safety cloud. It's like, okay, here's the tool set. Here's the capabilities of the platform. You could configure your own. And it's really quick because it's highly adaptable. It's very easy to do, et cetera. And then with things like MuleSoft and Tableau, what we're doing there is we're plugging a lot of those into the platform. Mm -hmm. Because some of MuleSoft is an integration layer, so it's not really built on the platform. But what we also do is we buy applications that were extensions on the platform and those would be standalone modules. So we build out purpose-built applications. Our customers, we just say, here's the platform, go build out your own thing, which works for a super major who can build out a whole, their whole center of excellence or the Rice EQT guys who build a Salesforce team. But we also give access to our partners, which we should probably talk about on this app exchange, which is the ecosystem of, okay, Here's the capabilities. You can go build out a JSA application and you can sell it on our app exchange. I'll see. And then sometimes we buy those things and then that becomes a new cloud. So mm -hmm. the, I think- the Like you guys just did a few couple billion dollar acquisitions yeah, of like partners. Velocity, it's not oil and gas, but this is kind of the, the best example I can think of. They built out something specific for utilities, which they call the energy and utilities cloud, which was some additional capabilities specifically around utilities. And they were selling it kind of side by side with us mm -hmm. as well as that they had some stuff for additional um, industries and we bought them about nice. six months ago a billion dollars so yeah. it wasn't just utilities they had about six industries so that's another thing to think about is we're buying these clouds which are kind of extensions and the other way i think about it is the iphone if you go to the iphone you have the iphone and there's you know, the clock and the stock thing that Apple provides, but there's also the app store mm -hmm. where you can get some stuff for free. You can buy some stuff where people have built it out on the platform. Exact same thing. Yeah. People have built stuff on our platform. Some of it's free. I'll be honest, some of it's crap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> some of it's an accelerator, maybe 80% of the way, but some of it's really rust, robust solutions yeah. to solve business problems. And that's where I'd like to see our, our technology go in oil and gas. Yeah. Because I think there's a big opportunity you know, Jake and I mm -hmm. talked a lot about this to, to solve some of those problems and commercialize some of that. So and just to be just to be clear that you guys are not actually with uh, with like your ISV partnership, like you're not actually building these solutions in oil and gas. What you're doing is you're providing that platform right. as a service and all the tools and support and whatnot for partners, for entrepreneurs like you guys who might be listening, who want to start something, come in, use the tools there, build something, and then they, they're going to help you sell it, put it on their platform exchange. You can also sell it outside yep. the platform exchange, things like that, right? Exactly. And that's what I'm really excited about. And where we've struggled before is we have this great technology and they'll say, show us and we can tell us your problem to JSA, give me your form and I'll whip it up in, in a couple days and I'll come back to you and I'll show, here's how your, your JSA works. Here's the JSA capabilities. And they'll say, okay, we're ready to do it. How do we do it? And I was like, oh, you got to go configure that yourself. Mm. So either you have to have a Salesforce team internally, and if you're a big super major, you do, or you have to hire an SI to do it, and they might have accelerators, templates. So what we don't really have is off-the-shelf applications to do that. So I think one way we can grow is by partnering with people to develop those, and then I just say, oh, you're interested in JSA, go talk to these guys. They've already built it. It's plug-and-play on our platform. If you like what you see, you push the button, it's downloaded, it's ready to go. 
So that's mm-hmm. how I'd like to grow the business. Yeah. And from founder perspective, I mean, this sounds like a great way that you can get MVPs launched and proof of concept, right? Yeah. sounds like on your platform, you know, drag and drop. I really like the uh, clicks, not code right. mantra that you guys have. Um, you know, it allows you, like you said, you can build out a platform in a week, just a, a rough template of, yep. or wireframe of, Hey, this is what it looks like. This is how it would operate. And then as you get further down the road, you start putting some resources into it. And also sounds like, you know, if I'm an entrepreneur, like I, I think that people ask me like what teams or what ideas would I invest in, in energy tech. And for me, it's, I would always invest in the founders that have domain expertise. So mm-hmm. I like when a reservoir engineer identifies a problem in his day-to-day workflow at, you know, Exxon or Chevron or wherever it may be. And he says, Hey, I got an idea of how we can fix this process, but maybe he doesn't have the technical co-founder at that point. If they can spin up something on the Salesforce platform and then, you know, that's enough to attract investment or whatever it may be to build the internal team to develop it. They prove it out. They start generating revenue. Salesforce sees it. And it's like, Hey, we like this. Why don't we just acquire you guys? I mean, that's a pretty good life cycle mm-hmm. proposition yeah. to me if I'm a startup founder. I, I would love, I mean, so any of you guys out there listening <laughs> that have those ideas, I would love to partner with you. And I, what I also like about our program is we help people. So it's not just, hey, here's the technology. If you're serious about it, we provide guidance, best practices. You know, we have technical expertise. So we'll sit down with you. And then within our own organization, we'll advocate for you. So there's people cool. that will kind of manage that relationship that will advocate for you. Because think about Salesforce. We have this amazing sales. We're selling software, our own solutions. But also we have you know people advocating for our partners and trying to get our salespeople to know about them. So when they go talk to an upstream EMP company, that's a much easier sell to say, oh, JSAs, here's how you could do it. But you should talk to these guys because they've already done it. Turn it on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would love to grow that. And I think it is a really attractive kind of life cycle, yeah. whether you we buy you or whether, you know, you just have a thriving business that continues to grow and you're part of our ecosystem. And there's a few out there that have been successful doing that. Well, like you said, I mean, one of the number one questions that we always get is, Hey, I'm, you know, I do have that domain expertise, but I'm not the technical guy. I need a technical co-founder. I need a dev team or something like that. And building, I've played around with the lighting platform uh, a lot actually. And it's super easy. As long as you want to spend enough time to like really to learn it. Cause it's very robust. Would be able to figure it out. Yeah. 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 You can figure it out pretty easily with a little bit of like, you know, if you have a little bit of, you don't have to be able to code, just a little bit of coding knowledge. If you can do Excel, like, you know, yeah, if you, yeah if you, that's, a, that's a great way to explain it. If I you can do Excel, it. you can succeed in, in building a lightning yeah. platform. Plus, you guys have like all these like tutorials and yeah. stuff on there. And, and it's anyone right now, if you go to Trailhead, so I think it's called Salesforce or maybe yeah, Salesforce Trailhead, you can get a free, anyone can get a free instance for, for the rest of your life. What can we build out on yeah. Salesforce? So, so you can go play around cool. with it. Let's build out the bullpen on Salesforce. Yeah. You could. Yeah, we probably could, honestly. <laughs> and I mean, just to play one or two licenses, it's free, and you have. I think one of my buddies he built a, an app for tracking uh, chores with his kids. Yeah. So he built that out, and is like, well, they have to say, "Yeah, I did, made my bed, I cleaned the bathroom, whatever." And he goes with a mobile app and checks it. Yeah. And it automatically like sends them a, here's what your allowance is going to be, and they get a notification. You're getting your, you know, dropped into your savings account this allowance, and he built that all in the platform by just go downloading a, uh, That's a free awesome. version. And we built all that kind we of built stuff. something similar using yeah. Airtable. It didn't last very long though, but <laughs> I like the idea. <laughs> So what do you guys see, you know, obviously you've identified oil and gas as, you know, a potential driver for you guys. Are you in the, like, where are you guys at in the life cycle of that? And, you know, it sounds like you've talked to some major companies, you know, are you guys doing projects with them? Have you started really kind of getting deep into the market in in terms of OFS and EMPs? 
What stage are you at? Yeah, I mean, we're pretty. It's a pretty established business, even though like, a lot of people, specifically in upstream, don't know about us. I would say, yeah. in our life cycle, we're really successful in downstream because that makes sense. They have customers, right? Lubricants, retail fuels. Yeah. There's mar- there's big marketing components of that, which is right in our wheelhouse. You know, pretty successful in oil field services because they have customers uh, midstream. They kind of have business development, so mildly successful. And I would think um, in upstream, it'd be kind of our, our we haven't kind of got tr- full mind share and traction there, although we have a lot of customers using us. Mostly it starts with the big uh, super majors because they're using us for downstream. They know us. They see above and beyond like, wow, this is cool for my you know lubricant sales team or my retail fuel sales team. But I can also, I built out a rebate application and it took me two weeks versus, you know, could have taken me two years on other technology. I wonder if I could do some stuff in upstream. So we definitely have a lot of people doing it in upstream, but... I would just say a handful right now. So we haven't yeah. kind of got mind share yet. Yeah. So in my mind, I think the best way to do that is, is partnering with industry leaders mm-hmm. and upstream and thought leaders. And that's why I'm really excited about, you know, kind of the app exchange. And maybe we don't have to do all the heavy lifting ourselves. We can yeah. partner with people who already know upstream and can see the value of this amazing technology. So I would say work like I'm a football guy. So, you know, we're, we're in halftime maybe. Yeah. You know? <laughs> We've had a good first, good, we had a good, good first half, but I good think, analogy. yeah. <laughs> I think there's some ways to go that we can really grow this thing in oil and gas, but most of this, pretty much all the super majors are using us. Most of the yeah, you know, it's funny companies. because when I told several people that Salesforce is coming on the podcast, and I know you and Jake have talked some, people find it odd. They're like Salesforce, and a lot of people don't even have any idea that you guys are are moving into oil and gas or looking at that. And so, I think you know, one, I think for you need a market share, brand awareness, and um, consumer awareness is is a huge component right. of it, right? But the value proposition seems to be there. You know, it's funny because a lot of oil and gas companies actually I, I was rack on them all the time. But oil and gas companies will hire a bunch of devs and try to become a tech company and try to build everything internally. And sometimes it's funny to me because they're not even good at their main objective, which is um, profitably you know producing right, oil so and like gas. Stick and, to your day job. Yeah, first. And, and now they're trying to be a tech company, <laughs> but. A lot of them probably have internal problems and, you know, something like the Salesforce platform could be a pretty easy um, fix for them to address some of those instead of, um, you know, buying third party um, software. So I think that it's interesting in that perspective that if you could have something that's lightweight and easy enough to almost drag and drop, you know, I'm sure as you get more complex, there's, there's coding around it, but you get you. You know, a lot of engineers have coding capabilities as well. Yeah. I think that that could be a good solution for some of these um, smaller to mid-sized EMPs. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like those companies are the heart and soul of, you know, upstream. And we haven't really, I don't know why we haven't successfully really got to them yet. I think maybe they're used to buying purpose-built solutions and it's, it's a mindset to move toward more of a platform where I can go configure my own capabilities to solve problems. But you know, that's what's really interesting to me because I think that's really kind of the base of, of any successful technology company. Yeah. You know, and we haven't kind of got there yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Sometimes it's a demographic too. I always like to pick on our buddy Yusuf because he owns a EMP and we talk about adopting new technology. Mm-hmm. He's like, look, Colin, I'm an oil man. I figured out how to get oil out of the right, ground. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, but you can adopt new technology to make it more, more of a, a better process. Right. So are you guys, um, you know, do you focus on only oil and gas or are you focused on energy industry as a whole, or have you guys hyper-focused on oil and gas? We're, we're focused on the energy industry as a whole. So mm-hmm. me specifically, most of my time, because my expertise is oil and gas, 
but I'm part of an industry team and kind of my, I know you guys like the stepbrothers, right? I saw this. Yeah. <laughs> so my stepbrother, I guess, uh, is focused on utilities. So we're, the way we go to market is we have an energy practice and it includes oil and gas and utilities. Yeah. So my expertise is more oil and gas and I, and I partner with someone on the utility side, but we're definitely, and I think the lines are getting blurred, especially. Yeah big companies, they're starting to buy utilities, they're looking at natural resources, so it's kind of blurred. So we go to market together. My expertise is more on the oil and gas side. Yeah. But I think definitely, probably focusing, we get more mindshare on the utilities side because they have customers and they yeah. relate to us. So, mm-hmm. But definitely, we're, yeah. we're taking the energy together as a whole. Yeah. Let's go back to what you talked about in the beginning about culture and how that kind of, we've definitely uh, ruffled some feathers and, and challenged the status right. quo with everything that we've done in energy. Do you think... Like since you've gone from being, you know, 100% oil and gas, and now working in a big technology company, like you said, surrounded by the hipsters in San Francisco right. and stuff, <laughs> what are like some of the benefits of that? Maybe are there any drawbacks of that? And then could could that same kind of culture be applied to oil and gas? Yeah, like little stuff. Like people, years? like think it's crazy when I show up to our events wearing jeans and a t-shirt. I'm like, I dress stuff for this. <laughs> like I didn't show up in shorts and a t-shirt. I, and I, I don't know. You guys tell. I mean. Culture is so cool, and that's a big part of it for me. And I think Salesforce is really cool because I didn't even get to our philanthropy model where we give back, and there's a real compassion. They kind of talk. We talk about stakeholder capitalism versus shareholder capitalism, mm-hmm. which is you can do well, but you also have to do good for your community, which is your customers, your partners, the communities in. And it's, I mean, we really walk the walk. I don't know if you if that. I mean, it's a tough shift in oil and gas, but it's funny. You go to our office, and people are wearing jeans and t-shirts. You know, they're. People are playing ping pong. There's a ping pong or there's a there's a uh, a, uh, a coffee shop in there, and you go on the third floor. And I go in there, and first day, oh, I want this, this, and I go in there. Where do I pay? Like, what are you talking about, idiot? You don't pay. This is this, this is Salesforce. <laughs> this is part of the part. So you don't have free coffee. Yeah, okay. you, know, you don't have free coffee. You have a barista <laughs> that's making you whatever you want, and then you go and there's you know puddings, hummus, any kind of drink you wanted. It's all in there. If you worked in the San Francisco office, well, now you can't go in, but before COVID, you probably would never have to do breakfast or lunch because there's always stocked with food and it's just kind of a, a vibrant culture and people are, I think it's a flattened culture. So it's not the, you know, command and control you see in a lot of old school cultures where you got your hierarchies. It's really flattened and people, yeah, I think it's a millennial thing too. You know, they don't, they don't want to have to pay their dues. And I think yeah. we brace, embrace that. And sometimes it frustrates me because I'm not really a millennial. I'm a little bit on the edge of that. So like, you got to pay your dues. Yeah, you're you like, can, I'll put in my time. Yeah, put in my dimes. You got to shut up and listen. But then they say something like, well, that's a better idea than I have. Yeah. Because I got to eat a little crow and listen to you. So um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think that's tough? That's a tough sell. Well, it, it, it's been net positive for us. So. Yeah. I mean, like it's been a timing thing for digital wildcatters in terms of people are tired of energy industry being stale and boring and stuffy. And it's mm-hmm. like, I even talk to executives at investment banks. They're like, yeah, even investment banking, like we have our people showing up, you know, downtown office suits and ties. Like we want to be a culture where people mm-hmm. can show up in jeans and t-shirt and enjoy their job and have fun. Right. And, you know, even at our live events, you know, people think it's such a small nuance where it's like, Oh, we don't want a bunch of, you know, people wearing suits, but that makes the environment that gives the vibe, mm-hmm. you know, the, the tech, forward thinking, um, you know, just like what Salesforce has, that's what we've tried to create in oil and gas. And, you know, I think that we've been pretty successful at that. And we have a lot of people that want that. And, and, you know, it's funny, a lot of people don't know, but I wanted out of the oil and gas industry in 2016 for these very, very reasons. I was like, man, tech looks fun. 
looks interesting. The culture, the people, everything looks great about it. Why would you want to work in oil and gas? You know, one, when it's so cyclical and it's hard to make a career out of it. And then two, on top of that, it's, it's just stale and boring. I'm like, look, if you want to attract the best talent into oil and gas, which you hear every major company get up on panels and bitch about, oh, we can't attract mm-hmm. the best, youngest talent. Well, you got to make it a place that they want to work, right? It's got to be fun can't be dark and gloomy and boring right like, look at salesforce and what they've built and you hear every person that's worked for salesforce has been a partner with salesforce has nothing but good things to say about them so i think that the oil and gas industry really needs to take a look at the culture that you guys have created and emulate that to some degree yeah i agree that's why i love what you guys are doing so yeah. i'm ready for the next event when's the next one gonna be man you know what I've we're, got... we're throwing around the idea of a halloween party <laughs> I think people were ready. I think so people were like sixty four percent said they were okay with it. <laughs> That's good enough for me. Those are great odds. Make sure you invite me. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I had a uh, major partner of ours reach out and like we're ready to do live events. Right. So we'll we'll see what happens, man. Honor. But I agree with yeah. everything you said, and that's why I'm, I'm really excited to kind of connect with you guys. Yeah, because uh, I, I I mean I think we're we're like minded, and I think uh, like for me it's the kind of the, maybe the thirty year old guy or girl who's like seeing understands technology and is like this is there's got to be a better way to do this i want to be excited about yeah. this and traditional oil and gas it has been <laughs> yeah kind of a tough grind for a lot of people yeah absolutely so if, if someone's listening to our podcast you know whether it's a client an emp ofs downstream whoever it may be or if it's a startup founder that has an idea and they want to build out on your platform you know where can they go to you know one what's the process of them reaching out to you? You know, usually I just be like, Oh, what's your URL? Everyone knows where to find Salesforce. Right. You can find Salesforce on the internet. But if someone wants to take action today, you know, do they go through you? Do they go to Salesforce website? How do they get the ball rolling? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to talk to anyone. I don't know how I get my information out via this forum, um, but I'm happy to provide that. We'll put your LinkedIn in the, in okay, the, yeah, in yeah. the show. If anyone reaches out to me, I'm happy to talk to them. Just like I, I kind of had some initial conversation with Jake. I think if you, you know, before you want to talk to me, if you want to go do a little research, go to Trailhead Salesforce. Uh, trailhead and just put that in uh, Google and there you can download your own version you can do like Jake said you can do a lot of training and kind of self-starting to go through there and learn stuff if you want to like try it before you buy it type stuff to see what it looks like but reach out to me I'm happy to talk about ideas you know I think there's a ton of use cases Jake and I talked and I think we, we identified right off the bat in one hour 10 mm-hmm. things that could be you know yeah optimized and then I would say I have a partner that I work with that's on the uh app exchange isv side independent software vendor so if it's a good conversation and you're serious about it i will bring them in and they're the ones that would actually then start taking you down the path of like if you're really serious about this here's how we partner with you here's how the process works etc 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 but i'm happy to be the the first line of defense on that cool all right so we'll drop your linkedin profile down in the show notes jason appreciate you uh coming on the show today man and schooling us up on salesforce absolutely happy to be here look forward to the the next event. Yeah. I'll yeah, next there. next party, Jason will be there dressed up as, uh, I don't know, what are you going to dress up as? I don't know. i got to think about it. <laughs> Sales, Salesforce logo. <laughs> you guys already it? got your costumes? Yeah. <laughs> Just dress, dress up as Mark Benioff. Okay, yeah. <laughs> there we go. That. I'll think of something cool. <laughs> All right, guys, great episode. If you want to go check out them, just go to the show notes uh, below. Go check out uh, Jason's LinkedIn profile. We'll put that there. Obviously, you can go to Salesforce's website as well. But if you like the episode, share it with your friends, your family. Go sign up for the Roundup newsletter. There's also a link in the show notes for that as well. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode.